Good morning, boys and girls. How are you today? Good. I'm glad you're in God's house. So you look kind of sleepy. Are y'all sleepy this morning? No. No? Okay. You're wide awake. Well, that's good because this is the fifth Sunday, so you get to stay in big church this morning. How about that? <laughs> Say, yay! No. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Y'all been around your parents too long. Okay. Um, who's got the happy club bag? Tim Nolan has the happy club bag. Let's see what he brought. It's very small. Might need some help here, Tim. Let's see what it is. Let's see. Okay. Thomas the train. Thomas the train. Tell me about Thomas the train, Tim. Why did you? Is there something special about Thomas? Yeah, he's my favorite thing, and Thomas. He's your favorite thing. Is he your favorite toy? Do you have a little track, and and he pulls cars, and you go around the track at home and everything? Yeah, that's not the only one. It's not the only one. You have several cars, don't you? And Thomas pulls them. He, I have several trains. Also. Several trains. Okay, not several Thomas the trains. Not the same engine, but like, like this one? Yeah. Okay, well, great. Um, you know what this reminds me of? Tim, this reminds me of, of our relationship with God. I look at Thomas the train, and I think about what, what's the fuel for Thomas the train? What makes it go? Coal. Coal. What do they do? They put coal in like a firebox, and they get the fire real hot, and it makes steam, and it it makes the locomotive chook, 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 and it pulls all the cars around. You know what, Tim, it kind of reminds me of our Christian life, too, because God is our fuel. And if we ever run out of that kind of fuel, what happens to Thomas the train when he runs out of fuel? Well, um, usually if he's near the coal station, I think an engine might push him all the way. An engine might help push him near the coal station and get some more coal. Yeah, that'd be great. Well, you know, what, how can I relate that? <laughs> yeah, there's always somebody. That's a good thing. There's always somebody nearby to help Thomas. And that's what we do with prayer, Tim. If, if you and I get weak and we run out of fuel and we don't feel like we can get close to God, maybe there's a Christian brother or sister who can pray for us and give us a little push. And help us get back close to God where we can get some more coal and refuel and have the strength we need to keep on chugging down the track. Does that make sense? Kind of for me. Kind of? Okay. (laughs) Not really? Okay. Well, we're going to talk about about prayer today. And and what prayer does, it just encourages us. And like Thomas has has friends who can push him to the coal and get some fuel to keep on going. Our friends can pray for us. And give us a little shove and keep us close to God. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So thank you for bringing Thomas the Train. And that's, kids love Thomas the Train, I know. And that's, that's so nice. So thank you. I'm going to say, let's say a prayer right now. And, and thank God for prayer. Dear God, thank you for prayer. And for people who pray for us. Help us stay close close. 
to you always. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Thank you, Tim. I hope you always have a friend who can push you where you need to be so you can get the field to keep on going. Okay. It's a girl's turn, isn't it, Miss Sabina? Where's Ava? Will you take the bag home, Miss Ava, and bring back something special next week to share with us? Thank you so much. Boys and girls, you can go back and sit with your parents since this is the fifth Sunday. Okay? Okay. compelled to say something um, <clears throat> this week when I was asked to bring a song I thought you know I just didn't want to do what I've done before or whatever and uh, appreciated the opportunity Gary gives me to do this once in a while and uh, I just wanted to bring something meaningful so I literally the first thing I came across was this song and when I found out what Wayne was preaching if you if you believe in coincidences I, I don't understand you but uh, this is songs about what Wayne is preaching about. So God's, God always does a better job than Gary or I at putting a worship service together. Uh, I want you to listen to the words to this song because it's, uh, it's special. It's about just taking a moment with God. Another day is waiting for me to make it through. 
There's no way that I can make it without you Before the day slips away I want to stop and say I love you I love you Before the world's rushes in again I want to stop and say there's none above you none above you Lord I'll just be still and know that you are God be still and know that you are God here I am in your presence where I long to be alone with you in the silence Before the day slips away, I want to stop and say I love you, I love you. Before the world rushes in again, I want to stop and say there's none above you, there's none above you. I'll just be hymn is a new hymn. It's a relatively new hymn by Keith and Kristen Getty and Stuart Townend. It's entitled In Christ Alone. Will you please stand as we sing these beautiful words.
join me in the prayer of thanksgiving. Lord, as we come into this beautiful place of worship, bringing our tithes and our offerings, we pause to give thanks for the blessings that you have given us, this wonderful sanctuary, this church, our ministers and staff that you have blessed us with. I ask that you continue to encourage them to lead us in the truth and the love of Christ our Savior. And it's in whose name, the greatest gift of all, Jesus Christ, that I pray. Amen.
So beautiful and worshipful. Thank you, choir. I have a few more sermons I want to tie up the series on theology. And this morning I want to talk about something that's very personal, very private, and yet very important in the Christian life, and that's prayer. Sermons entitled, Teach Us to Pray, and I've chosen for our text this morning the the version of the Lord's Prayer in the Gospel of Luke. It's a little briefer than the one in Matthew 6, but uh, it has the setting and the important components that I want us to look at this morning. Luke 11, 1 through 4, teach us to pray. He was praying in a certain place, and when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation." Let's pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Not how to pray, or what to pray, or when to pray. But just teach us to pray. Remind us of its importance. And the difference that it makes when the smallest prayer from the smallest child is offered in faith, the difference that makes in heaven as the shoots are opened and the blessings come pouring out, filling our cups and overflowing. Father, give us a glimpse of that power and teach us to pray. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. What right do I have to preach a sermon on prayer? I'm certainly no expert. This is more like tracks of a fellow struggler, I think. Many of you have already been long-time, faithful, regular prayer warriors. And you don't need any help uh, developing a good, solid prayer life because you know how to talk to God any place, any time. But I still get the feeling that most people would welcome some help in their prayer lives, that most Christians don't feel like they're real experts on prayer at all. As a matter of fact, a lot of Christians still pray the way they did when they were children. Now don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with a child's prayers because I love their trust, I love the simplicity, I love the honesty behind the words of a child in prayer. But Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke as a child, and when I became an adult, I put away childish things. So I think we can grow in our prayer life. And what I want us to think about this morning is how to pray in a way that will be in keeping with that of a mature Christian disciple of Jesus Christ. There's a brief outline in your worship bullet because there's some major points I want to make this morning that I want to leave you with. And if I do nothing more than just encourage you to develop some kind of prayer life, just a short time each day, I think you will see that time expanding as it becomes more and more an important part 
of your life, not just your Christian life, but your life overall. The first thing you've got to understand about prayer is that it doesn't just happen by accident. It is a decision. It is a decision. It's a result of a conscious, intentional, deliberate act. There may be a lot of things in your life that happen accidentally, but prayer is not one of them. There are spur-of-the-moment kind of exclamatory prayers where we say something like, Lord, help me. God, have mercy. Lord, why me? And that's a certain kind of prayer, but those are more spontaneous and occasional. They occur only under certain occasions, probably times of crises, special circumstances, but no one would consider them the result of a mature prayer life. I'm not saying that you should not pray in times of crisis. Heavens, no. Just the opposite. Jesus prayed under stress. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. But Jesus also had an undergirding regular prayer life that was functioning on a a regular basis that was a foundation of everything that he said and did. I want you to notice the opening words in verse 1. He was praying in a certain place. Jesus didn't just find himself somewhere and suddenly feel the urge to pray. You know, I think that might be a problem with our spiritual growth. We base it too much on the emotion of feeling. The Bible never once said Jesus felt like praying and so he prayed. The Bible presents to us a man who had a certain pattern. He went to a certain place at a certain time in order that he might continue the habit of prayer. And it just strikes me, if, God, if Jesus and the Father are so close that they are one, and Jesus felt the need for regular prayer to commune with the Father, how much more so should you and I? Prayer didn't just happen for Jesus any more than it will just happen for you or me or anyone, anyone else. Because when you stop and think about it, how much have you ever really accomplished in life that was not the result of a definite decision requiring time and energy and effort? Your life is no accident. It's the sum of decisions that you have intentionally chosen to make along a way. And the same is true of your spiritual life. It doesn't just happen. It happens when you decide that you're going to do what is necessary to accomplish a certain goal that you have set for yourself or that you feel like God has asked you to make. Believe it or not, there was a story in Reader's Digest years ago about a woman who felt like all of her time had been claimed and laid out for her. So she decided to do something about it. She made a decision. She got up a half hour earlier every morning, went to bed a half hour earlier every night so that she could go in a particular room and sit in a particular chair and spend some special time with God. Nothing much happened at first, but she kept on getting up and waiting because she had made the decision and the commitment to do so. Eventually, something happened began to happen. The time and place became filled with a presence and a a power and a peace and a holiness. 
She prayed every morning, not because she happened to get up early one morning and stumble over God, but because she got up early every morning and learned to wait on God. She obeyed the words in the Bible that are repeated over and over. Wait on the Lord. She waited, and God showed up. Now, I want to clear up some misunderstandings about this because Jesus prayed early in the morning. Van, in his song, mentioned praying early in the morning. The woman in Reader's Digest prayed early in the morning. And many spiritual giants down through the ages have made it their practice to spend time with God early in the morning. I don't know about you, but I'm not a morning person. Martin Luther got up early one morning and he said, I have so much to do today, I shall have to spend an extra hour in prayer. He had already spent two hours, so he upped it from two to three. I say this because it's not important what time of day you meet with God. Maybe your best time is in the evening when everything is quiet and and the family is settled down. But the important point is that you must decide to pray, and then you must decide when and where to pray, and then you need to do it and stick to it until it becomes the most important segment of your time in the day. Now let me clear up one other obstacle that is an obstacle for many people, and that is that that prayer does take time. Not necessarily two or three hours like it does for Martin Luther, but let me tell you, two or three minutes won't cut it either. Jesus always took time to pray. That's why he got up early in the morning, because he didn't expect to squeeze prayer in between the other responsibilities that he had in the course of a busy day. It doesn't just happen that way. Jesus didn't squeeze prayer in on the Jericho Road or in the busy marketplace of Capernaum. Prayer takes time, and if you're going to have any kind of prayer life, it will take time. And and why shouldn't it? What have you ever really accomplished in life that's worthwhile that did not require some investment of time and energy? So if everything meaningful in life requires time, why should prayer and a growing relationship with God be any different? Prayer is a decision. A certain time and a certain place, it says in verse 1, he was praying in a certain place and when he ceased, his disciples came to him. What I want you to see about that is that the disciples knew better than to disturb Jesus while he was praying. They waited until he was finished, until he ceased. And you know what? The same is true with you. The world will wait on you. It'll keep spinning without your help. If you decide to come apart for a while, come aside and spend some time in prayer. Not necessarily a long time, but a regular time. Start with 15 minutes a day and then see if it doesn't expand. Time you commit to be with God. It won't happen until you decide that it will. First thing you got to see is this a decision. The second thing I want you to see is about the actual mechanics of praying. How should I pray? What should I say when I pray? And the Lord's Prayer is a great model for that. The disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and he gave them this prayer in response as instruction. And if we let it, it can be a wonderful model for us too. 
And what I want you to notice is the first one-third of the Lord's Prayer focuses on what? Focuses on God. It begins with God, not the person doing the praying. And that's the opposite of how we usually begin our prayers. Jesus' prayer is God-centered, not self-centered. And that's the second thing I want you to see this morning, is that prayer begins with who God is and not with what I need. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is diametrically opposed to our natural tendencies. Don't most of our prayers begin, Lord, I need, Lord, give me, Lord, help me, grant me, guide me. We might give a quick nod of the head to God, but then we get what to what we really want to pray about, and that's primarily ourselves. That's not what Jesus did. He never started a prayer by saying, Father, I want you to do this for me. So I want you to take a little test. Next time you start praying, see how long you can go before you work in I, me, or my, or mine. And focus on God. Why do we begin prayer with God? Why is that so important? It's not because God requires it. We begin our prayers with God because we need it, because we need to be reminded with whom we're meeting and to gain a new perspective on the whole scheme of things. Because when we focus on God, two things happen. First of all, we are comforted when we reflect on the goodness and greatness of God. And secondly... When we look at God, our own problems shrink in significance. Let me give you an example. Teddy Roosevelt, a lot of you know, was the rough rider, charge up San Juan Hill, president of the United States in the early 20th century. He spent many nights camping in the outdoors. Incidentally, we were in New York a few months ago just walking down the street in Manhattan and had a little sign that said, Teddy Roosevelt was born here, right in the middle of, of Manhattan. I thought, yeah, if I was born in Manhattan, I'd want to be camping out in the countryside somewhere too, as often as possible. But Teddy Roosevelt had a, had a custom whenever he camped out. Before he went to sleep each night, he got out of his tent and walked out and looked up at the vast expanse of heaven, catching the glimmer of faraway stars and the reflection of the moon and the, the beauty of the creation. And when he had taken it all in, he gave a big sigh of relief and said, now I can rest. I am reminded of how big God is. You see what happened? A few, uh, just a few moments each evening, Teddy Roosevelt took his eyes off of himself and looked at God. And when he did that, he realized just how great God is, and it changed everything about his perspective in life. You see, I believe our concept of God is too small. And part of the reason that we are so overwhelmed with our problems and our needs and our situation is that we have difficulty seeing how God can fit in. We have difficulty remembering how great and powerful and awesome God is. 
We don't take the time to ponder that God loves us and he has provided for us and he continues to give us strength every day for the journey. And we need to remember that the God we pray to every morning is the same God who led the children of Israel out of captivity. He is the same God who raised Jesus from the dead. We're not spending time with a dictator who is choreographing our moves or a capricious prankster that we have to try to figure out and satisfy. He is the God who made us and saved us and loves us and who is always there unconditionally for us. And to know that, to realize that deep down in our hearts, to feel that every time we pray gives depth and meaning and blessing to our prayer lives and to our daily lives and beyond. Amen? When prayer begins with God, you're reminded of how great God is. And that brings comfort and hope. And you all also realize that your problems and your situation come out in a whole different light because he is a great God and nothing is impossible with him. The third thing I want you to see about the specifics of the Lord's Prayer is that it includes our world. First of all, prayer is a decision, not an accident. Secondly, it begins with God focusing on him and not ourselves. The third thing I want you to see is that it includes our world. And what I mean by that, well, look at, this, look at the Lord's Prayer. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins. We forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation. Just simple, everyday needs that folks had in that day. It's just a hodgepodge. The food we eat, the sins we commit, and we need to forgive those who have sinned against us, the temptations we face, and the evil that's all around us in the world. It's, it's, a, it's an inclusive list. And it involves things that we actually need in our everyday lives. And what I want you to see is that God is concerned about every aspect of your life. There is nothing beyond the scope of God's concern for you. I've heard some preachers say, you know, that problem's too small. Don't bother God with it. I could not disagree more because God is concerned with every aspect of our lives. It reminds me of the hymn we sing, Take It to the Lord in Prayer. And that's so true. There's nothing. The food you eat, the clothes, the home, the family, the situation, the the sins that you commit and that others have committed against you, the, the temptation to do evil, all those things are within the scope, the realm of God's concern for you. I love to listen to children pray because they are so honest and so creative. And the wonderful thing is that God hears every one of them. You've probably gotten this list of prayers from children. Here are a few of them just to remind you of the scope. Dear God, please put another holiday between Christmas and Easter. There's nothing good in there now. They'll learn about Valentine's one day, won't they? Dear God, thank you for my baby brother, but what I asked for was a puppy. 
I never asked for anything before. You can look it up. Dear God, I bet it's very hard for you to love all the people in the whole world. There are only four people in my family, and I can't do it. <laughs> Dear God, did you mean for giraffes to look like that, or was it an accident? Dear God, please send Dennis Clark to a different summer camp this year. Dear God, maybe Cain and Abel would not have killed each other if they had their own rooms. It works out okay with me and my brother. Dear God, is Reverend Coe really a friend of yours, or do you just know him at work? And this is my favorite. Dear God, I didn't think orange and purple went well together until I saw the sunset last night. Good job. I want you to know from these prayers and from what I'm trying to say is that God cares about you and everything that troubles you, no matter how small it might seem. I'm convinced that we fail in life, especially when it comes to temptation, because we don't call out to God often enough. The good news is that we don't have to fight these battles alone. The God who promised never to leave us nor forsake us is not just standing idly by on the, on the sidelines. He is, he is waiting for us to invite him into the game to become the quarterback, to become everything that we need for our, for our lives to be victorious. But he's waiting on us to invite him in in prayer so that we can be strengthened and filled and prepared to face the world. Prayer is a decision. It's not an accident. It begins with God. It includes issues in the real world. And the final point I want to make briefly this, this morning, and it may be the most important part of prayer, is that prayer is as much listening as it is talking. Many of the prayer warriors I know spend as much time listening as they do speaking to God. Our problem is that we think we're not praying if we're not saying something. But a better understanding of prayer comes when we realize that prayer is listening too, just being quiet in God's presence. And in our world where the cacophony batters us from every side, that is so difficult to do. Let me give you an example. Let's say, for example, that Billy Graham is going to have a summit where he is going to impart all of his wisdom about the gospel before he passes away. And to this summit, he invites uh, Henry Blackaby and Max Lucado and Bill Hybels and Wayne Rowe and um, Jimmy Carter. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Mother Teresa. And so I go, and I'm sitting there in that room with those spiritual giants. What do you think I'm going to say in that discussion? How much talking do you think I'm really going to do? Hmm. With that group of folks gathered around, I promise you one thing. I'm going to do a lot more listening than I am speaking because I believe their wisdom uh, is a lot deeper and broader than anything I could offer. So I'm going to sit there and soak up just as much as I can 
and build it into my mind so that I can bring it back here and share it with you. If God is the one with whom we are supposed to meet every day, doesn't it make sense to do some listening? I know the spiritual giants in the Bible did. How else could they say? The word of the Lord came to him. Or he heard God speaking to him and he said, or the the Lord spoke to me. You hear that over and over again. These, These spiritual giants were spending time in God's presence until a word of the Lord came to them because they were listening for it. And then they arose from their knees and went out and did what God led them to do. The older I become, the more convinced I am that listening in prayer is more important than speaking. I can promise you this much. If you want to experience what you've never experienced before, if you want to hear in your heart what you've never heard before, if you want to rise up from prayer with a peace and a preparedness that will equip you as you've never been prepared before, then take time to listen to God. Because he said, be still and know that I am God. And in that stillness, you will learn things that you never before dreamed or imagined. So that's it. Prayer is a decision focuses on God. It includes the need of the world. It requires what? Listening. Nine times out of ten, when Catherine comes to me to ask for something, I know what she's going to ask for before she ever opens her mouth because I know her that well. But I like her to ask because it gives me joy in giving. I think it's the same way with God. He knows what we're going to ask before we say it. But he likes us to know that we are dependent upon him. And when we acknowledge that dependence, it gives him joy to pour out his blessings upon us. This week, 15 minutes a day, Try it, see what will happen. Shall we pray? God, forgive us for making prayer an appendage of our daily activities. A lot of us have appointment books and we schedule everything else. But seldom do we schedule time with you and just try to squeeze you in while we're sitting in the car or maybe a blessing over the evening meal. Father, help us to see what a role prayer can have in our lives. Help us to make the decision to focus on you, to share our heart's desires. And then just to sit in your presence and listen. And then begin to notice the difference that is made in our lives 
when that relationship with you becomes real and personal. Because you love us that much. And you just asked for a little time each day to spend with you. And you're always available. Help us to discover that for ourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing an invitational hymn this morning. Jesus is tenderly calling. I'll be at the front to receive you. Rhett Pritchett came forward this morning and, and rededicated his life just up at, a, at a, starting a new chapter. And he just wanted God to be real and to be an important, important part of his life. And so he came forward and shared that with us. So we're going to pray for him. And if you have a decision to make public, you come forward and, and share that with us as well.